What's going on, guys? In today's podcast, I'm going to discuss some dudes that I'm willing to, or that I'm trying to buy and some other ones I'm trying to sell as it pertains to fantasy football, of course. And um, I want to preface this whole thing with um, two things. I'm not going to, I'm going to try my best to, for the most part here, not mention guys that I mentioned on last week's podcast of the buy or sell. I'm also going to tell you what I think you should do with guys like, I'm going to reinforce this point with Allen Robinson and Robert Woods, those kinds of guys. Right now, unless you are getting what you would have otherwise sold those guys for, meaning Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, if you were getting value up to that level, then you can you can trade them if you feel you need to or want to or whatever. But don't sell low on them. So what I would most likely do is just hold, you know, just hold them right now. We are in week three. Even if you're if you're owing three and you got to make something happen, well, okay, I get it. But you still got to try and package that type of a trade up in a way there that it's not going to feel like you're you're selling low because ultimately improving your team ever so slightly in the present moment to sacrifice long term, you know, who you might be in four or five, eight, nine, ten weeks, to me, it doesn't make sense. And it's not going to help you. you know, it's not going to help you win a championship. It's not going to help you get in the playoffs and all that stuff. So um, if you're 0-3, you likely have bigger problems than just like one Allen Robinson or, or Robert Woods or whatever. So uh, but anyways, I'm going to talk about some guys first that I would be buying right now. And I'm going to try and I tried in this episode to dig a little bit deeper, at least in terms of like the guys I chose here. Uh, first guy I want to talk about, and I tweeted about this earlier, was is Michael Carter from the Jets. I think that when you look at Michael Carter, right, you see nothing spectacular from the standpoint of like what he's done production-wise right now. As a Has he been a guy that if you started them at any week in fantasy that you've been like excited about? No, he hasn't been. But that's why we're being early. Remember, just a few weeks ago, people spent their seventh, eighth round pick on this kid. And and to me, as much as I liked him and as much as I as I like and still like Trey Sermon, I wasn't a huge fan of those ADPs, right? Sixth round, seventh round. That seemed to me that seemed a little bit wild, right? A fourth round rookie, a third round rookie in the case of Sermon. Are we going to draft that guy and just feel like we know we're getting the Najee Harris workload? You know, I, I think that was definitely risky just from that standpoint because, and I even mentioned maybe Tevin Coleman would be the guy there in New York early because I knew that most likely we weren't going to immediately see uh, Michael Carter getting that that huge workload or whatever that we were hoping for. So anyways, let's get to the positives with Michael Carter. He has been playing in the last two games right around 45% of the snaps, okay? He, in those two games, has touched the ball 24 times for 117 yards. That's total touches, but he's averaging 42 yards per carry the thing that's keeping his value low right now is just in a nutshell right if someone let's say they start they own michael carter they've drafted him in the seventh round they started him in each of the last two weeks or in one of the last two weeks well they're not they're looking at the point total next to his name right in the matchups and they're and they're saying damn it this guy sucks right i mean that's let's be real that's the the extent of a lot of these, you know, fantasy owners, you're, you're sitting here and you're, you're looking at the point totals, right? Because that's at the end of the day what it's all about. Now, if I was to trade for Michael Carter right now, which I'm totally willing to do, I would want to be obviously buying low. And that's where 
the most profit is potential or has the potential to occur, right? I would also do so with the intent of probably not starting them in week four, you know? So this isn't something that I think that you need to immediately do because uh, I think that week four is going to go crazy. I, I, I don't, I don't think that at all, you know, and I actually think that he's got a pretty tough schedule, but here's the thing about the Jets offense. The Jets offense has talent. And I, I know that's tough for a lot of people to um, accept right now because of the way they looked. I mean, last week they didn't score a point. So it's, it's tough, right? The week before uh, you had Zach Wilson throw four interceptions. They were sacked three, four or five times, whatever it was They they haven't looked good. Michael Thomas in those two weeks, that's the games we're looking at and we're saying, hey, he played all right. You know, he he averaged over four yards. He's been essentially, although dim, <laughs> the lone bright spot on this offense the last couple of weeks. And so, excuse me, when you when you think of it that way and then you think of it this way where, hey, I'm not trading for him now to start him next week. You know, then then it starts to make more sense. Like I, I'm trading for him because I know that in three, four, five weeks, if I'm trying to trade for him at that time, I don't think I can either can't get him or I'm gonna have to give a whole lot more than you know than I want to. Right now, I think you could you could give something as simple as like, you know, and this might even be too extreme, but you could give Chuba Hubbard right now, right? For for Michael Carter, you could probably give just any, and I know Chuba Hubbard might be too much, but because if you have Chuba Hubbard, you likely overpaid for him, especially in FAAB leagues. But look, any decent flex option will probably do the trick. Like if you have, if there's someone in your league that doesn't have a reliable second flex, if you're playing in sleeper, well, throw that at him, especially if your roster is constructed in a way where you don't need Michael Carter for week four, but potentially if Michael Carter becomes the guy I think, and a lot of people think he can become, well, then your, your running back situation will be complete. You know, he's, he's that kind of guy, like the guy that can, that can complete your, uh, the running back position is your RB three high end RB three is what I think his potential could be or high end, just natural flex play. But in any case, I would be looking to buy him now, and I'm going to be looking to buy him. I think that he's just somebody that uh, has no – look, the Jets offense has nowhere to go but up. Michael Carter is playing, and, and you know, I've been praising Javante Williams for getting close to 50% of the snaps. But, hey, Michael Carter's been doing that as well. And that uh, – again, that offense from New York has to play better. It just has to. It's a good scheme. It's got to play better. It's got talent. Zach Wilson's talented. You know, so I would imagine they, they'll be playing better. And I would imagine that's going to be, you know, led at the running back position by Michael Carter. Uh, next guy I'd be buying on. And, and by the way, if you own DeAndre Swift, do not sell him. But if you don't own him, buy. And I mean by this is not like the Michael Carter situation. This is urgent. Like you must aggressively pursue DeAndre Swift. I just tweeted out and posted. He's, he's averaging 10.7 yards after the catch per reception. The dude, let me say that one more time, 10.7 yards after the catch per reception. Guess what else? He's not fully healthy. He might now, according to head coach Dan Campbell, he might now be fully healthy Go, you know, from here on out, from week four on out. 
if that's the case, because Dan Campbell also said that his workload could and probably should increase from here on out, we're looking at a top five running back. If you could, in a perfect world, trade Ezekiel Elliott for DeAndre Swift and probably I would at least ask for someone else, even if you don't actually want the someone else. If you're trying to offload Zeke, I would I would offer Zeke and I mean I would offer Zeke for DeAndre Swift and Tyler Boyd or whatever, just like to and then if the person's like, dude, no, let's do it straight up. Just say okay. You know, that's kind of my my philosophy on that. Like I, I just think that that would be a perfect world trade. But there are also plenty of other guys I would trade for DeAndre Swift. And the thing that we and the reason I know he had a big week three and a big week one, but the reason I think that he might still be able to have been or to be bought at a semi-low price is because of his week two performance, right? He didn't do much in that game. He had like that long catch at the end of the game. But in reality, if you if you had DeAndre Swift on your team, you were highly disappointed with what he did in week two, which which on paper that looked in Green Bay like a pretty good matchup for him to excel in. It didn't happen. But for any in any case, I think if I was to re-rank my running backs, and I'll probably do that. Maybe I'll just put it up on Patreon uh, and just do like every week I'll re-rank. Or maybe not every week, but every like three weeks or whatever, I'll re-rank my top 24, 25, whatever running backs and receivers and, and so on. And if I was to do that right now, just off the top of my head, I think DeAndre Swift would probably be my RB5 or 6. And obviously, I'm talking PPR. Um, but even in standard, I'm not, I'm not like – you know, I'm, I'm not going to knock him down there and too much further, even in standard league. So to me, DeAndre Swift is a guy that's game flow proof, you know, because again, he's going to catch the football. He is able to do something that I value very highly at the running back position. And that is make the first guy guys miss. He can make guys miss. He can create things on his own. And oh, by the way, that Detroit offensive line is pretty good. They got a guy named Penny Sewell. He's a pretty good player. <laughs> they got some good players too, right now and, and those kinds of guys. So I think that um, for all those reasons, you should be buying buying DeAndre Swift. It may not even be low, right? You may give up your first round pick for Swift, who was a third round pick. And it may, at least in terms of points, it may still end up be, or or at least in terms of like our perception, it may be buying low. Because I think DeAndre Swift could outscore Aaron Jones. I think from here on out, I think he could outscore Nick Chubb from here on out. I think he could outscore a lot of guys from here on out that were taken, that were drafted before before him. So anyways, um, another guy, and this guy actually was on here last week, but I just want to, I really think it's important to mention his name again, and that's Antonio Gibson. I know Antonio Gibson, and this is mainly for Antonio Gibson owners. I know you're frustrated. It hasn't, I mean, obviously he got the 73-yard touchdown last week, so that boosted his his point total, but I know you're frustrated, but I promise you this dude is a special talent. What if I told you this, right? Forget everything you know about football players for just a second. What if I told you or about literal players? What if I told you there was a running back, second year guy, 23, 24 years old, whatever he is, maybe he's 22. I don't know. Young, six foot, 230 pounds. Runs four three nine, plays four three nine, can catch the football, can run the football, can make guys miss, very agile, very explosive. 
And he's a starter on his team, the unquestioned, bona fide starter on his football team, a football team that may be a playoff team. Would you think that that guy's, you know, someone that could finish top five as a running back, top seven? I think you would agree with me on that. Okay, that is Antonio Gibson. Anybody who just sees in the box score the 73-yard touchdown catch he had last week, go back and watch that play. Don't just look at it. Obviously, that looks great in the box score. Go back and watch it. 230 pounds moving, and that shows you his 4-3 speed because a lot of people were saying last week J.D. McKissick was run down, caught from behind. Antonio Gibson was not. And then just the play at the end of the play, for him to finish that with the touchdown, he gets his he's about to go out of bounds. He gets his last foot inbounds and he dives for the goal line and gets there. You have to be in tremendous shape to even be able to at that point in the run after set, you know, after what he's running 80 plus yards overall, to be able to to reach that thing across the goal line and score without fumbling is is it was an impressive play. And I think that it's likely to assume that his workload grows as the season progresses. So for all those reasons, man, if you can get Antonio Gibson right now, I would happily trade Zeke for him. And I know I keep picking on Zeke, but I, I really would. I, I think that it's important to trade Zeke. Don't worry. Zeke's not on my sales list this week. I think I'm making that very clear that my, that's my intent. If I have Zeke on my roster, but I just think that trading someone of real value for, for Antonio Gibson is a move. And I think that you could probably do it at a pretty good value. All things considered right now, James Robinson is the next guy I want to talk about. So James Robinson to me is a guy that has been very frustrating. Again, you probably spent your third at worst, your fourth round pick on him. You probably were not very happy with him after two weeks. The one thing Kind of the, the thing that I was holding on to hope for with James was the fact that he's been playing on the season. He's playing 65% of the snaps there. He played 73% week one, 63% in week two. I think in week three, it was like 60, I mean, uh, 59%. But in any case on the season, he's at 65% of the snaps, right? His touches over those first three weeks have went eight, 14, and now 21. He's clearly the receiving back there. Like that's a, you know, he, he has got that role completely secured. He is also, I mean, he's the, he's the, the starter. He's the lead back there. It's not really a committee. It's something that where it's a 70, 30 committee. Yeah. And they're going to use Carlos Hyde because they like him, but it's a backup. It's in a backup running back role. James Robinson was finally effective, you know, and just like the jets, James Robinson is like the, steroided up version of Michael Carter, right? He's a guy that's already getting, you know, a very high percentage of the snaps over 60%. Like I said, where Michael Carter is inching his way up there and he's already getting the workload. And now he just had a, a pretty big game. But right now, because those early weeks tend to get magnified, I think it's a little bit urgent that you buy. If you want to buy low for James Robinson, that you do it now. I think that if he has another game, like, in terms of production, like what he had in week three, then I think you're you're looking at a situation where the owner might not sell, at least might not sell low. Right now, those first two weeks are lingering in that guy's head, that guy or girl's head, and, and they're sitting there thinking, damn, I'm not super confident in James Robinson. You just offered me, I don't know, whoever, right? Like, 
you just offered me this player for him and I and I kind of like that player because he's playing well, whatever. Like, no, I'm not gonna say that. I was gonna mention someone, but I'll save that for later because he's on my sell list that he might surprise you. But in any case, I think that uh, James Robinson, along with that Jaguar defense, I mean, offense has nowhere to go but up because the offense is going to get better. I would imagine, right, that Trevor Lawrence has played, he's not going to play any worse than when he's playing now. And if Robinson could give you basically RB1 level production in week three with a bad Trevor Lawrence, then I would imagine he can probably sustain that with a better Trevor Lawrence. He can probably sustain, I mean, at least RB2 level production or whatever, right? So to me, James Robinson, especially when the cold weather comes, James Robinson is is a 230-pound-plus you know, bulldozer, and he's extremely explosive. No, he's not fast, but he is explosive. Um, get him on your team, man. If you can do it cheap, go ahead and do it. Like, I mean, just float a trade offer out there. See what happens. All right. Uh, next guy I would buy right now, and it, and it is urgent, and it's someone that if I would have said this last week, you would have slapped me. <laughs> it's Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk scored a touchdown in week three, right? That That's great. And that may, in a normal circumstance, hurt you in terms of being able to buy a guy low. But he only had four catches for 37 yards. He also had a carry for eight yards. But the most encouraging thing to me is that his snap count was was in the 40s in week one, was in the 50s in week two in terms of percentages. And then in week three, was 86%. Debo Samuel has been amazing so far. Even in week three, he was good with Jair Alexander shadowing him. Debo's a stud, bonafide stud. But he can't keep being the only receiver there. And I know I'm not talking George Kittle. I'm talking about of wide receivers. He can't keep being the only guy. Brandon Ayuk was a first-round pick just a year ago. Brandon Ayuk, maybe he... You know, he pissed off Shanahan, whatever the issue has been or was, seems to not be there anymore. He played almost 90% of the snaps. I would be shocked, absolutely shocked that Brandon Ayuk doesn't continue to play upwards of 80% of the snaps. If he does that, he is simply too talented of a player to not be involved in the offense. He is at worst the third best player on that offense after one of the best tight ends in football and George Kittle after Debo Samuel. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if in week 10, 12, 13, whatever it might be, we're calling him the clear second best player in that offense. There was a reason he was being drafted two rounds ahead of Debo Samuel. There was a reason in the real draft, this team just a year ago drafted him earlier than they drafted Debo Samuel traded up to get him. So anyways, I would be buying low on Ayuk because again, those first two weeks magnifying fantasy seasons to fantasy owners, right? Right now, they're looking at Ayuk's four for 37 and a touchdown and they're, and they're like, cool, but he was probably on their bench. And I don't know that they're sitting there regretting benching him. If that's the case, Give someone who's a worthy starter, but no more, right? Like nothing in the world of a, you're not going to give a wide receiver two away or running back two, whatever, for Brandon Ayuk right now. You're going to give a flex option away for him. 
and it might work. <laughs> All right. Um, other guys that I'm also interested in buying, but you know, I'm not going to get too deeply into the details here are CD Lamb. CD has had 66, 81, and 104 receiving yards in each of the first three games. He's been solid. Uh, George Kittle is another one. I'm, I think that George Kittle, because of how awesome Debo has been, George Kittle is still their best player. You know, and I think that we're going to see more from him. He's averaging like five for 60, basically, in, in, uh, in terms of what he's averaging so far this season. But I think that we'll see even better days to come. I think that we'll have at least he'll maintain what he's been with flashes of the elite player that he is, like the elite production that he's shown. So I, I'd, I'd be interested in, in buying low on Kittle. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, with what he did, 17 carries, 100 yards uh, for the Chiefs, I think. And he also had a receiving touchdown. So who knows, maybe that's an indicator that he'll be more involved in the pass game moving forward, which is really the only thing standing in his way. A consistent role in the, in the passing game is the only thing standing in his way of RB1 potential. Again, so maybe not, as I mentioned before the season, the RB1, maybe not that guy. Okay, maybe I jumped the gun, but definitely an RB1. And then I would also be looking, I'm interested in Miles Gaskin. He's playing on an abysmal offense right now, still averaging 5.1 yards a carry. That's not normal. You don't normally see that. He's playing close to 60% of the snaps every game. I'm interested in buying low on him if possible. And then Joe Mixon playing 79% of the snaps, averaging almost 25 touches per game he is the guy there and he's averaged more than four yards a carry in two of the three games so he's being he's an efficient player as well as far as guys i would be selling on right now i'm interested in selling debo samuel i love debo this does not mean i don't love him he's got 30 targets the first three games he's one of only 11 guys with 30 or more targets so far this season but i think right now you can get, and the only way you should sell Debo, because I do believe his production will continue. I just don't think it'll be at quite to what it was in weeks one and two. I just, for example, I offered in a league, it was declined, but I don't know why it was declined, to be honest. I, I think it's a fair trade. I offered Debo Samuel and Logan Thomas for Justin Jefferson. See, if you can do something like that, right, and create a roster spot for yourself in the process, I think Debo is a good sell right now because I do believe we're going to see much better days from George Kittle and from Brandon Ayuk. And obviously Debo can't keep getting 90% of the receiver production there, you know? So, I mean, what if it's Debo and I don't know, some decent running back for Deandre Swift, I would, I would do that. So I think that again, you shouldn't just sell for the sake of selling because he's a, he's going to be continue to be a good player. But I think that you could possibly package him with someone to get yourself an elite player. And in that case, I would sell. Uh, another one, Derrick Henry. It's probably going to shock you guys, right? Derrick Henry, 72 touches in the last two games. And he's been, you know, pretty good as far as like in terms of efficiency. I just think, guys... If we're going to be 35 touches, 36 touches a game, how long is this going to last? I was already worried about that considering how much he's touched the ball over the previous few years. And maybe he can maybe he can sustain it. But to me, right now, if I could trade Derrick Henry for DeAndre Swift and I don't know, Allen Robinson, I would do that. I really would. I just feel I feel more comfortable with Swift moving forward, assuming he's on the field, of course. 
I just feel more comfortable with how efficient he is. And I don't think, I just think he has more ways to hurt you and more ways to consistently produce. I think Derrick Henry is, it's like trying to jam a round uh, square peg into a round hole. And it's working right now, (laughs) right? But I just don't know if we can count on that to work for another 15 weeks. So I I would look to sell him, but only if you can get a ton. Uh, Alvin Kamara, another one. I know these are kind of bold, and I'm not trying to be bold here. I just traded Alvin Kamara. And I know some of you won't like that trade. I traded Kamara and Marvin Jones, my double-digit round gem, for Robert Woods and Jonathan Taylor. Why did I do that? Well, Marlon Mack is about to be traded, or at least they're trying to. He'll probably be released if not. Jonathan Taylor, to me, is going to have much better days. He is the lead back in Indy with a involved Naeem Hines, yes, but a lead back Jonathan Taylor. When the cold weather comes, especially, he'll be a top five back. No question in my mind. And when I look at Alvin Kamara, what's the what's Alvin Kamara and Black, you guys know how I feel about Robert Woods. I think he'll I think he'll play better. I think he'll have some really good weeks shortly. Alvin Kamara's calling card has been his efficiency, right? He's been one of the most efficient, if not the most efficient, running backs in the NFL. This season, if you just take I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna use the Panther game because I feel like that would be, you know, manipulation at this point. Taking the other two games Kamara has played in. He's averaging, and he's carried the ball 44 times in those two games. Over 20 in each game, 20 and 24. He doesn't normally do that. It's very rare for Kamara to carry the ball 20 times. He's averaging 3.9 yards a carry, and his receiving totals in every game this year, three catches, eight yards, four catches, 25 yards, three catches, 29 yards. Does have two touchdowns, but he's averaging 6.2 yards per reception. I think you can get a top three back for Alvin Kamara. I hate to be repetitive, but again, Alvin Kamara for DeAndre Swift to me just is something that makes sense. I also think you could probably get DeAndre Swift and someone in return for him, but I wouldn't sell him low. Definitely would not do that. I'm never an advocate for that, but I just think that Kamara could really be, um, Someone that if the efficiency is not there and if we look at history, the workload has never been 20 plus carries every week kind of a guy. Then what do we have, right? If we go back to the old workload and the efficiency is not there, then we're looking at a, I mean, what are we looking at? A low NRB two? I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, but I think that we are in jeopardy of that. That's to me, that's a very real possibility. If I was to put a percentage on how likely I think that is to happen, probably 25 to 30%, you know, which is kind of high, but also like, obviously I don't think that'll happen still, right? 60, 70% says, says no. But anyways, I think that if you can get something that, that makes you more comfortable, um, then you should do so right now with Alvin Kamara. Next guy I want to talk about is Amari Cooper. I think that Amari Cooper, because week one specifically tends to magnify, the other early weeks do too, which doesn't hurt, which doesn't help you right now with Cooper. But like the crazy week one game that he had is still fresh in in Cooper owners' minds. 
You know what I mean? And and the fact that he plays for the Cowboys, he's the number one option there. All that stuff is fresh in owners' minds. I think that he'll have a lot more games like what he's done in weeks two and three than what he did in week one. Although, I think there will absolutely be more games like week one. So maybe, depending on your league mates, you might have to wait until he has another one of those week one caliber games. Uh, in order to actually sell high on him. But I, if you're not comfortable with Cooper, I'd see what you can get because I think that the compensation might surprise you some. I, I really do. I think that you you may be able to get more than you're thinking you could get for Amari Cooper. All right, next guy I want to talk about in terms of a uh, someone we should sell on is, is Melvin Gordon. And I think I talked about Melvin Gordon last week. But I want to, I want to really reemphasize this, guys. Melvin Gordon, week one, had a 70, I believe it was a 70-yard touchdown run against the Giants. In that game, he averaged nine yards per carry, 9.2. In weeks two and three, he's averaged 2.4 yards a carry and 3.4 yards a carry. He's getting older. He's a guy with pretty decent wear and tear on him. He's a guy that has almost, I believe it's only one time has played 16 games. You know, so I, I think that durability, at least to a lesser degree, meaning uh, he'll he'll probably, if I had to bet on it, he'll probably miss two or three or four games. You know, if and when that happens, if he misses two, and Javante Williams is getting, I don't know, seventy percent of the snaps in those two games, I think that we could be looking at an almost a almost completely diminished role. For Melvin Gordon. Now he'll always have a role because he's a good player and they like him. But if we start the season at 50-50 in terms of the workload, and it's been right around there, maybe like 53-47 in favor of Gordon, at least in terms of snaps, right? If we're starting the season there, then where do you think we're where do you think this is going? You know, I mean, in all reality, like it's it's very likely to be headed towards a 60-40 Javante. And if you say, who's the more dynamic player right now? It's obviously Javante. Who's the more consistent player right now? It's To me, it's Javante. At least with the ball in his hands. You know, whether it be as a pass catcher, whether it be as a runner, whatever, you could say, oh, well, Gordon's better in pass protection. He probably is. I don't know. But I'm, I think that right now, Gordon had like 18 touches last week with a touchdown, even though he wasn't efficient. I think that it would be a very, very smart move on your part to trade him. I mean, you might be able to package like Melvin Gordon and, and some flex option receiver for, I know I said I didn't want to be repetitive, but for DeAndre Swift, you might be able to pull that off. Or like right now, something I would be very comfortable just to give you guys a fresh face Melvin Gordon for Miles Sanders. I would do that in a freaking heartbeat. And you can thank Nick Sirianni giving Sanders only two carries because if you would have given him another two, Sanders might have had 100 yards. <laughs> I mean, he was he's that explosive. Like, at any point, Miles Sanders can, can take it to the house. I think that – and I, the only reason I didn't put him back on the buy list is because I know he was on there last week. But – I think that um, that's a trade that makes a ton of sense 
if you have Melvin Gordon and you want a clear upgrade at that running back spot, whether it be your running back two or three, whatever, I would offer Melvin Gordon for Miles Sanders right now. I think the Miles Sanders owner in all likelihood would be like, whoa, I'll take, like he would feel like he's stealing and he'd be wrong because rest of season, quote me on this one. Please let me know if I'm, if I miss here from weeks four on, I literally would, I guarantee you Miles Sanders outscores Melvin Gordon. I guarantee it. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that just generally I'm, I'm trying to trade Melvin Gordon right now because the low efficiency and the volume to get lower role, um, likely to get lower, at least that scares me a little bit. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sell if at all possible. And then one more guy that I, that I think I would sell despite him being another really good player, by the way, a lot of these guys I really like, I mean, look, Debo Samuel, I really like him. Derrick Henry. I like him a lot. Alvin Kamara. I like him a lot. These are guys that I really like. Doesn't mean that, that we're pulling the wool over somebody's eyes or something like that. It just means that can we do something now that will make us a considerably or at least a clearly better team in the present and future. And so that's why I have these guys on the list. There are concerns I have with some of these guys that despite me really liking them, like Derrick Henry and his 72 touches over the last two games, if this were late in the season, the 72 touches over two games would be good. But we're talking like, you know, does he just sustain this? Usually he's the guy that it, that it takes a more moderate first eight game approach in terms of touches and then picks it up and builds steam as the as the season is the weather cold, you know, gets cold and all that kind of stuff. So I think that we'll at least with Derrick Henry, we'll at least see a dip in terms of like his usage because you can't give him 40 touches a game all year long. You just can't. You know, so anyways, like I was saying, I like I like all of these guys. I just think that for for one reason or another, it might be wise to to trade these if you're getting the real compensation slash potentially even selling high. But anyways, last guy I want to talk about is Brandon Cooks, man. I think Brandon Cooks has been another guy. Awesome. 25 targets over the last two weeks. Uh, was awesome against the great Panther defense, or at least what appears after three games to be a great Panther defense last Thursday. On the season, he's got 23 catches, 322, and a touchdown. He's averaging 14 yards per reception. I think that the reason I want I want to sell with Cooks here is because this is a league of adjustments. At some point or another, the Texans are going to be forced to to beat teams in terms of you know to throw the football to another receiver. They're just it's just going to have to happen. Cooks isn't the most physically imposing guy, right? If you if you're doubling him and and you make it to where he's got it, he's not going to be the guy that catches the 50-50 balls against you. You know, so you're I just don't see a world where he's able to sustain this type of production over the over the entire season. You know, I I don't see that. I think he'll still be good all year long. Do I think he'll have a few weeks where he's got two for 20? Yeah two catches on seven or eight targets for 20 yards. I do believe that will happen at least a, a few times, maybe several. 
but I also think he'll have another, you know, few 90 plus 100 yard games or whatever as well. I just think that right now, again, Brandon Cooks or Miles Sanders, please. You know, Brandon Cooks for, I don't know, whatever you feel comfortable with in terms of like a, a high level receipt. Like right now, you should be getting a mid to high end either running back or wide receiver two back in, in exchange for Brandon Cooks. And I think that another idea and something that I'm always in favor of, but this is more so a strategy that I'm higher on later in the year would be pairing, you know, Brandon Cooks. Like you could do something like what I just tried to do with Debo Samuel and Logan Thomas for Justin Jefferson. You could do Brandon Cooks and let's just say you have two tight ends, you know, Brandon Cooks and Mike Kosicki for Justin Jefferson. I think Jefferson, have you seen the way Kirk Cousins is playing, by the way? Talk about if you, you know, Jefferson and Cooks so far look like an even, you know, um, an even swap, right? Like in terms of what they've done so far. But I just think that Jefferson is to be trusted far more because of his quarterback play. He's got, he's got great. I mean, Kirk Cousins has been freaking amazing. And Brandon cooks is dealing with a guy that I like a rookie, but he's not Kirk. He's, he's nowhere near someone like Kirk Cousins. Right. And even if Tyrod Taylor comes back, I think that, in all likelihood, there's going to there's going to be a wall that Brandon Cooks hits at some point or another that I don't think that a guy like Justin Jefferson is likely to hit. And um, so, yeah, I would try and you know, but again, if you can't get something that you feel like is theft or or that you feel like wow, I'm excited to upgrade here, then don't do it. You know, all these guys are worth keeping. Yeah. So except for maybe Melvin Gordon, I think you, you've got to trade him. But anyways, um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this podcast, guys. I appreciate you listening. We should The week three thing recap should have come out yesterday. I don't know what's going on with Josh. I'll check in on that. But um, that will be released, I would imagine. I couldn't see it going any later than today. So that should also come out today. That'll be available on YouTube as well as uh, the podcast platform. So um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.